Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. afternoon and good evening and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's me, Chris Howard from Lace Partners. Thank you as always for joining us. And today's episode, we are going to talk about a bit of research that we have recently conducted at Lace Partners. At the time of recording, we are just about to release the research itself. But when we release this podcast itself, then it will already be out. And that research is around what are chief people officers, CHROs, senior HR directors, what is their most pressing, what we call one big thing? So what is the one thing that if they could change, wave a magic wand in the next 12 to 24 months, what would they really love to be able to solve? So we went out to a number of CPOs on that, and I'm going to introduce our guests in a second to talk about that. In fact, I'll do that now. Kathy, our co-founder and managing director, how are you doing? I'm good, Chris. Good to be back. Good to be back. This is the second time that we've recorded this because of some technical issues that we had. And in the first time, when Kathy said, I'm good to be back, I started singing. So you're very lucky I'm not going to I'm sing in this edition. Yes, certainly. Let's introduce our second guest, which is Chris Horton. He's a director at Lace Partners. Chris, how are you doing? You all right? Good morning, Mr. Howard. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Would you like to meet a tour of song? I always think the day is better if you're all singing. So all good. <laughs> you smooth talker, you, you smooth talker. Chris, I'm going to start with you. Let's talk about the research that we've put together. So can you just give our listeners a bit of a flavour as to what we did and why we actually decided to do it as well? So at Lace Partners, we're interested in understanding what our clients are thinking. And as part of that, we decided to do a piece of research called The One Big Thing. As part of The One Big Thing, we asked a question and the question was, what is the key thing that you're thinking of, the key item that is at the top of your mind over the next 12 to 24 months regarding your people. As part of that, we reached out to around 30 CPOs or global HR directors covering a range of industries. So that included banking, that included resources, fintech, pharmaceutical technology, public service and government, retail, healthcare, travel and hospitality. We had good range of company sizes that was at the largest was over 100,000 plus, the bulk sitting in the sort of 20 to 50,000 employees and a couple of smaller companies at sort of the 5,000 mark. Yeah. And what's interesting about it is collectively, those businesses employ over half a million people. So this is a decent sample size of senior HR people. And we did go out to those chief people officers, the chief HR officers, and ask them this question. So it's a broad breadth, and they represent the interests of a very large sample of the UK workforce. And from the actual research itself, we have lots of different themes that we will, over the next sort of six to nine months, be exploring a little bit detail, but this particular piece that we just launched focused on three key areas. It was talent attraction and retention, which was in at number one, flexible hybrid and working, which is in at number two, and then employee value proposition, number three. And I want to explore those three specifically. So let's start with the one that was most popular, which I thought would be the most popular, and that is around talent attraction and retention. So Kathy, I just want to get some thoughts from you. Why is this top 
of CPOs? Why is it keeping them up at night? Yeah, and I think when we sent out the research, the questions, we fully expected this to come in at the top or somewhere close to the top, right, in terms of where our CPOs would see sales most concerned or most focused, shall we say, over the next 12 to 24 months. We know, right, the labour market is tight right now. We have full employment. We have, therefore, a real challenge organisationally as to how you bring in the right skills, the right capabilities to just stand still right now, let Mm -hmm. alone grow your businesses. With the impact of Brexit, the sources in the labour market have changed. And we're in that position, right, where actually differentiating in the labour market is the most important thing right now that an organisation can do and not just differentiating in terms of the attraction but actually delivering on their experience and therefore retaining talent over time. So no, no surprises that it came out top. I think that just the market conditions alone would dictate that but I think actually also organisationally CPOs, I guess because the people agenda is more significantly up in terms of the C-suite worry list coming out of COVID. We're certainly experiencing that the people agenda has never been higher or more prominent on a CEO's mind. Therefore, the ability to bring in great people and retain those people is up there as well. Yeah, it's interesting. So it's almost, you could rewrite the question as what is business's biggest issue because the people agenda has been pushed so high because of the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Chris, from your perspective, any sort of reflections on that being most of our CPOs, one big thing? So I think feeding off some of Cathy's points, it is an incredibly hot market. People are really thinking about not just the attraction of employees. So they're thinking about the compensation. They're thinking about the long-term viability. If they pay, they increase people's salaries or the offerings that they have to do. They're thinking about what's the non-monetary stuff that they can provide. What are the key benefits that are needed? But I think to the point that was raised, a lot more companies are really focusing on the experience and engagement to think about how they can maximize retention and really also start to look at, okay, we've got internally great skilled people. How do we better match future roles to them to make sure that we're keeping people within the organization? Certainly. I wanted to touch on the second of the top three that we had, which is around flexible and hybrid working. I guess really same question, although this time I'll start with Mr. Horton. Chris, so from your perspective, surprised that we're still talking about flexible hybrid working? Surprised that this is one of the top three that CPOs are worried about? I'm not surprised. I think it's almost going from now or what's been in the past over the pandemic months or years, a more practical kind of how do we work out flexible and hybrid working to get it to work, to actually be more a discussion around, okay, we appreciate that there are these different types of working. We've got different expectations or certain expectations that employees have now. We've got certain expectations that employers and companies have. And I think really um, a lot of the work, a lot of the discussion, a lot of the focus is around making sure that those expectations match. And if they don't, I'm starting to work out ways in which that can be addressed. And Cathy, from your perspective, surprised? I'm not surprised it's there, but I think it's a very different thought process now than it was at the start of COVID. Right? Mm. So I think, you know, then it was just about how do we make it work? What mm. tools do people need? How do we make sure that we can manage our people effectively remotely? Now, I think to Chris's point, it's more that embedding it culturally and organisationally, what does that mean in practice? When we've got survey research coming out, Microsoft survey came out in September, showing that there is a big disparity between the perception of productivity by the employee and the employer, where employers are still nervous about the productivity of their workforce if they can't 
physically manage them face to face, i.e. those people who are working from home. And then you've got employees that are saying, actually, I feel that I'm far more productive Mm -hmm. if I'm working from home. So there is a real disparity between those two sets of the workforce. And that to me is quite a cultural challenge as to actually how do you make that work for your business? And the other challenge organisationally where you've got workforces that can only be at the workplace to do their jobs. And I can completely get the challenge there from a CPO point of view. They may well be under pressure from their CEO to bring back those parts of the business that have the luxury of choice, say the head office workers, for example, Mm -hmm. or people who are office based in an organization where let's say 80, 90% of their business is actually on the ground, whether that's manufacturing, travel, tourism, whatever it is, right? You actually have to be there to do the job. So I can get the pressure that you see in the headlines of CEO saying, well, I just want people back because actually my business has to have most of its workforce on site to do the job. So the empathy aspect and the sort of alignment of the whole workforce to reflecting that in how they operate, I get it. But at the same time, we have learned huge amounts from going through a rapid catalyst of COVID on hybrid working and with the pilot around four day working week and so on ongoing and getting very positive feedback. I think, you know, we do need as businesses to take a forward-looking stance on this and Mm -hmm. recognise that actually linking back to that talent attraction retention theme, being able to offer flexibility is a major differentiator and, to Chris's point, now becoming an expectation of the workforce. So unless you're able to answer that expectation in a way that gives that flexibility, you're going to struggle with theme number one, around attraction and retention. So it's an interesting topic, right? We issued a blog last week around productivity and hybrid working, and it plays exactly to this theme. Yeah, 100%. And actually, a lot of these are linked, and you were talking there about round, we talked about things like well-being and how it all forms part of that package, if you like. How is it going to attract people? And flexible working is part of that attraction package. This is a good segue into the third of the the three topics, which is kind of that employer value proposition. So we had CPOs coming back to us saying, look, I am concerned about this. And some of it will link into, I'm concerned about what our EVP is and how things like flexible working fit into it. And how do we use that EVP to attract the right people? So can I just get some thoughts? I'll start with you, Cathy, this time on why this was number three in terms of the top priorities. Yeah. And Chris, I know there's two Chris's on the call. Chris Horton, Mr. Horton can keep us real in terms of the language here, because I'm not sure how many of our CPOs came back and said, my third big theme or, is, or, or is EBP, yeah. or my big theme is employee value proposition and use that language. But we've packaged it, I think, in terms of various aspects that related to what is the proposition that we're offering to our workforce to enable us to, points above, attract and retain and offer hybrid working, for example, within that proposition. So what do we mean by employee value proposition? Therefore, why have we put that wrapper around this theme? So from my perspective, if we think about employee value proposition, essentially, it's the deal, it's the offer, it's the absolute this is what you will get if you work for my business. And therefore, yes, of course, it covers salary and remuneration, variable, non-variable pay, etc. But it goes much broader than that in terms of actually, how will I be developed? What feedback will I get? What will my line manager be like? How will I progress in the organisation? How can I reach my career goals in the organisation? How will my organisation perform in terms of social responsibility? It's a really wide breadth of topics that essentially says, when I join on day one, or when I'm with you after 10, years, what's the deal? Do I really understand what that is? How explicit is it? And actually, is my reality of the experience that I have within this organisation matching up to what I expect? 
connected around the deal. So I think, Chris, Mr. Horton, from the research, I think that a lot of the topics that were coming out here were playing to that sort of agenda, which is why we put that wrapper around it. So you've absolutely taken the two words that appeared the most. Um, it was definitely offer and deal. And I think that's fundamental to the employee value proposition. I think the key point to me from an EDP perspective, and Kathy has used this equation many times and, and I really, really like it because I think it does a, a great way of explaining things. I think if we think of it, the EDP, the offer or the deal is really the aspirational view, the desire that I have as an employee to come in the company and, and these are the things that will be promised. I think the reality is really the employee experience when you get into the company and neither those things are true and delivered or they're not. And I think the interesting thing then with EVP is if EVP matches the employee experience, we've got happy employees, we've got happy company, and we've got people remaining engaged and connected and doing their jobs and doing it well. I think the minute the EVP, so really the promise that aspiration doesn't equate to the employee experience is when you start to see significant issues where people start to disengage, become disconnected, start to look for a, another job and, and go elsewhere. Exactly. And I think that therefore, you know, we see the big eye-catching headlines and themes around great resignation, around quiet quitting. You know, this is all to do with, is the deal that's offered to me still floating my boat, basically? Does it make me want to get out of bed in the morning and do a good job? And therefore, I was actually very positive about the fact this coming out is a key theme. I can completely understand why it is. It does link very closely to the two themes we've just talked about. But actually, from a CPO point of view, I think it's really important that you can articulate that deal, that EVP, really crisply to your candidates, but also your current workforce to manage expectations. Because ultimately, unless the expectations are effectively managed and set and based on fact, you get expectations building on the basis of what you see other organisations doing, what your peers are telling you in the business, what the person who interviewed you told you. The reality needs to match or exceed the expectation to drive engagement and therefore productivity. So the more the HR function can do to articulate that offer, that deal, as crisply as possible, and the more for it to be based on fact, the better. So actually for CPOs to be saying it's a big part of where they think they're focused needs to be going forward. I think they're absolutely on the money and it will deliver on attraction and retention over time. Yeah, I think that's the key thing, isn't it? It's the market is so hot, as you said earlier, that people are just going to think, do you know what? If you're not going to live up to your side of the deal, then I'll find somewhere else that will. And I think we've been facing lots of challenges in the workforce because of that. But I think we also ought to bear in mind that the power right now in a full employment scenario is very firmly with the employee and therefore the employee has been able to dictate to a certain extent what they want from their businesses and be more demanding about what they want and vote with their feet if they're not getting it where they currently are, which is why we've seen people moving jobs so much, which is why you've got this quiet quitting phenomenon. I'm not going to go into the detail of it. But at the same time, we have to think about the fact that recession is, you know, the R word is out there. We're already seeing the fact that we're having periods of lower growth as a country. It will be interesting, right, to see how that power balance shifts in some way. To me, being very skewed to the employee 
or very skewed to the employer is never that healthy, mm-hmm. right? You get knee-jerk reactions, you get businesses having to make decisions with one hand behind their back. And similarly, employees having to put up with things if they have no power that they wouldn't normally put up with. And ultimately, they vote with their feet when they can, when the market improves. So I think the balance of power will shift, but I don't think that takes away from the need to be explicit about your EVP and think very hard about what you want to offer your workforce in the most rounded sense, as opposed to just thinking about pay. We're in a cost of living crisis. Yes, pay will be prominent, but there's other non-monetary aspects, the deal, the broader deal that we need to be more explicit about. Yeah, absolutely. And just for listeners, so we have launched this research piece, but what we are going to be doing is exploring each of these different topics in a little bit more detail over the coming months. So we're going to have different focuses at different times. And there's a podcast which Cathy and I have done where you talk in a little bit more detail about the deal around employee value proposition, which again, we will push out just to re-emphasize that. There's also some blog content that we've written as well. And that's one of the things that we wanted to do as part of this campaign is to bring together some of those themes, some of those discussions that we've had so that our listeners and people that read out our content can have it all in one sort of centralised place and have a focus on it really more than anything else. Chris, Mr Horton, we've had these three top priorities for the next 12 to 24 months. Was there any in there that if we were to look in five years time, for example, you think will not potentially be as much of a conversation piece because in my head I was looking at things like the flexible or hybrid working and thinking well is this just an immediate priority 12 to 24 months because we're coming out of the pandemic just want to get your reflections from that perspective so I think certain topics I think I've been in the HR space for over 15 years now and I think talent always remains as a consistent topic over the years and to some of Kathy's points it might fluctuate between the employee having more power and more focus versus the company and then the balance that happens between the two I think the interesting thing I'll go out on a limb here if I was looking at flexible hybrid working I think in five years time it will probably become more the norm and that It's just a way that people manage their workforce. I think it will be interesting to see as companies balance out the expectation of their employees versus the desire of companies to have people either at work more often or to come up with the different match of expectation and requirements of the companies. I think it's interesting if we look at things like there's been a four-day workweek trial that's been exceptionally well adopted, liked, and people are going to continue with that throughout many countries in Europe. And I think over 80% of the different companies that are involved in that are really happy with that. So it will be interesting to see if there's additional trends that become the norm. But I would be surprised if in five years time, and we were to run a similar survey, if CPOs and businesses were saying that flexible working was as high a priority, I think it will just become more an everyday norm. Mm. And those companies who do it well will survive and prosper. And those who don't will probably lose significant parts of their workforce. And from your perspective, looking into that crystal ball? You always get the crystal ball out. It's you very unnerving. It. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is the joy of social media, right? You could look back in five years' time and see yeah. whether we were on the see money or not. <laughs> so I agree with Chris. Ultimately, hybrid working, were we surprised it was there? Not when we actually saw the detail of what people were saying about it. I think it's not so much how do we make it work. It's more about, as we said earlier, the cultural alignment, getting the employer, the employee expectations aligned. So would that be there in five years' time? I doubt it in that, to me, 
to Chris's point, this is more about actually how does it fit in the overall offer, the deal, the proposition from the organization? And is that working for the organization or not mm-hmm. and the employees or not? I think the ongoing talent around skills will be the ongoing theme as yeah. it is now, but I don't see that changing in the next five years. If you want to hold me to something, Chris, I suspect talent will still be up there. And do you think that CPOs will still be thinking about what their employee value proposition is? I genuinely think it should always be there, right? Because this is part of the CPO's role is to deliver on the organizational performance that relates to people. Unless you have a compelling proposition and unless you are delivering on that proposition with the experience you're offering to your workforce, Mm -hmm. you will not be successful as a business long term. And therefore, whether you're a people-based business or not, you have to have a compelling proposition just as you do for your customer base. So it's equally important. And taking that customer experience lens and applying it to the employee experience is basically the trend that we're seeing, right? And it's exactly how we operate in LACE and the work we do with our clients. It's all about delivering on that proposition. We are just coming towards the end of the podcast. Sorry, Chris, any sort of Final thoughts from that perspective on an EVP. So, so I, would, I would just say, almost adding to Kathy's points, I think there were uh, 10 other topics that were introduced. And if you look at the many of them actually fit well within the EVP or broader space. So if I go through some of the other topics, focus on diversity and inclusion, developing resilience amongst leaders, employers and employees, improving financial and mental well-being, focusing on employee experience and employee engagement, merger and acquisition integration, and last but not least was the adoption of new HR technology. So I think a lot of those tie into or are quite connected with either EVP, talent attraction, even flexible hybrid working. So there's a lot of sub-themes that have come through, which are quite interesting as well. Yeah, and we're going to be exploring those, as I said, throughout the next sort of six, nine months, the next year, where we will run different types of podcasts. We'll bring in some external thought leaders to talk to us about things like digital talent, for example, and the skills needed for the future. We will, as I said as well, we will repurpose some of the existing content and some of our existing thinking of that over the coming months as we focus in on some of those areas. Any final thoughts just before we wrap up today from your perspective on the campaign or the research? that we conducted. From my point of view, I'm just really interested in engaging with people now on the various topics. So as we issue new content, as we go out there and asking for people to participate in events or webinars, it'd be great to get the listeners' input into those sessions. So as you see those being marketed out to you, please do participate and provide your input because I'd love to have the opportunity to discuss this in more detail with with lots of people. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much, Cathy, for your time today. Pleasure, Chris. And Mr. Horton, as always, wonderful to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Mr. Howard. You can, of course, get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to all of our previous back catalogue of podcasts on our website, which is lacepartners.co.uk forward slash podcast. You can also see the insight section. As I said, throughout this podcast, we're going to be promoting the One Big Thing campaign, if you like, over the coming months and specifically delving into some of these areas such as employee value proposition, talent, skills, capabilities, flexible working, hybrid work. So looking forward to doing that. Thank you very much for listening as always. And we will see you next time on the HR on the Offensive podcast. Bye bye.